Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venue Land, an EVMC podcast. Join us for this all-access pass backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live event industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to incredible guests who journey with us as we dive deep into the world of venues, tours, festivals, and everything in between. Grab your laminate and meet us in Venue Land. Hello and welcome to a detour episode of Adventures in Venueland, an EVMC podcast. I'm Dave Rettelberger, along with my co-host Paul Hooper. Today's episode is a little bit different. It's part three of our special detour or side trip with our friends from Backland, where we've been talking about mental health, a big topic this month and a big topic always uh, with, with our industry. So uh, Paul and I have been uh, talking to some folks uh, in our last episode. We talked a little bit about work-life balance. In our first episode, we talked about backline and kind of what it is. But we have a different guest with us today. Paul, would you be so kind as to introduce our guest? Absolutely. We're joined by Ari Jacobson, who's the clinical director for backline. And we're going to kind of chat a little bit about some of the unique things around stress with live events. I think anyone listening who works in this industry knows it well and knows that there are a lot of things that maybe are pretty unique to live events that uh, might not be experienced in other industries. And, you know, how do we deal with that? How do we handle it if we're feeling maybe depressed or working with coworkers where we're identifying that they might be exhibiting things? So we're excited to get into it and chat through some of that. Welcome, Ari. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Ari, tell us if somebody's just jumping into episode three of this series, uh, a little bit about Backline and and your role with Backline. Sure. Uh, So Backline is a national nonprofit that helps members of the music industry, the touring music industry, and their family members uh, get paired with mental health and wellness resources. So the long and the short, uh, just to easily explain it, is we are a service for members of the music industry where if they need help getting paired with any kind of mental health services, whether that's therapy, uh, medication, wellness providers, such as yoga instructors, life coaches, meditation experts. We have a um, a network of providers who we can refer to that we've all personally vetted, and we do our best to help everybody get connected as quickly as possible. Uh, my role is um, I have spent uh, my time with Backline just helping to grow our network of providers and expand our clinical programming. Um, so any outward-facing mental health-related information, so anything on um, substance abuse, suicide awareness, talking about anxiety. Um, this is all the stuff that I kind of focus on and help make sure that it comes out with a a clinical lens that people can understand whether they've been in mental health world or not, um, and also making sure we're saying the right things. Let's talk about stress in this industry because it's something that impacts uh, everyone listening uh, in sure. one way or another, and some people handle it better than others. What What do you think is unique about this industry uh, and the way that we uh, we manage and uh, have to deal with stress? What a great question to jump right into. I remember my time. Uh, I worked in the very beginning while I was in grad school. I spent uh, years working in venues, um, doing security, doing backstage anything. So I was hanging flyers, hanging signs, uh, cleaning up, uh, whatever it might be. And the number one thing to recognize is just the stress that you're under. Um, it's really hard to recognize and acknowledge the stress that you've been under. It's really hard to recognize the uniqueness of the stress that you're under, where 
you're on most of the time when you're working in these settings, you're on a much different timeline than a nine to five employee. Um, so yeah. recognizing, recognizing that you're, uh, your basic everyday rhythm, your circadian rhythm of when you're awake, when you're asleep, when your brain thinks it's time to activate, when your brain thinks it's time to shut down, um, is going to be very different than those of your friends who maybe are teachers or nine to five employees that can say, oh, five o'clock is hit, my day is over, time to wind down and implement a stress-reducing technique. The other thing for those who people who may be on the road, recognizing that how you can handle stress in one city is going to be very different than the way you can handle stress in another city. Uh, one city you might have you might have five hours to kill. Another uh, you might have five minutes where that's considered your alone time before you hop on the stage. Um, so the number one thing I always talk to people about when they're especially getting into this industry is you should have an idea of what your norm is, um, how you handle stress, um, how you recognize stress, and everybody's norm is very different. But then also being able to recognize when you're feeling off of your norm. So realizing like, wow, I'm getting angry a lot or wow, I'm stress eating a lot or I'm lying in bed and just rolling around and I can't fall asleep when usually I just fall asleep right away. Uh, these are just the little things that other people might not ever notice. But as you start to recognize, the sooner you can catch those, the sooner you can actually address them. And then the more likely it is that you can avoid a bigger problem later down the road. I do think one of the things we've kind of talked about in the first couple parts is because we are in this industry of live events, which is very different than others, and that like our business is basically presenting these memorable experiences, right? If everything's going right, you might have a stadium full of fans that are having maybe the best night of their life. You've got your favorite artist on stage your adrenaline is going, your dopamines are kicking, you know, it's like everything is high and activated. And, and in those moments, that's when everyone is like, Oh, this is why I love the job. You know, I think, I think anyone who you talk to, it's like that moment of when the artist first takes the stage and that roar of the crowd, it's like, that's why they fell in love with working in live events. But I think the counter side to that, that is that when you do have that high, you have to come down off of it. And not every event is that exciting and not every venue is Red Rocks and, you know, not every, you know, it's, I think there is this kind of inevitable fall from the climb and, and often we are working on these events that are, you know, working on, you know, ticket sales are rough or something like that. And is there things that you've kind of seen or heard from people on how to approach maybe leveling that spiky roller coaster, you know, I mean, you of course want to appreciate the wins, but how do you maybe not let them get too high and then also make sure you don't crash after? Sure. So there are a couple of things. Um, the first thing is setting realistic goals. Um, we have to understand that perfect does not exist. So for any, let's say, any show that you're going to, there should be an idea of this is a wild success. This was just okay. And then this was disappointing. And then for disappointing, it shouldn't be looked at as this was a failure. Uh, the idea is this was still something that you were able to do. You were able to follow through with. Ideally, you still put on the show and you felt like you gave it your all. Um, it just might not have been to the crowd that you had hoped. So then to look at that and say, what could I have learned? Um, a lot of what we're going to look at in terms of anxiety is how you frame things and how you look at things. Um, because the way I look at a failure and the way you look at a failure could really cause very different reactions in both of us. So I might see it as, wow, the next time we come around, I've now realized I need to do better with my social media marketing, or I need to have a better announcement time for this show so that way people can hear about it. 
rather than, uh, we didn't sell out Red Rocks. This sucks. We'll never sell out Red Rocks. We failed. Let's just see what happens with the next one. Once you start to not plan for the next one, you're just allowing that stress to pile on top of each other. And little by little, similar to like a soda can, you shake a soda can a little bit, pressure starts to build up. If you do nothing with it and you set it aside, it might feel like it's kind of gone down. But usually, unless you really give it some like time and space, if you try to crack it, it's just going to explode. Um, and then yeah. same thing, you shake it too much, you shake it too much, you shake it too much. Eventually, even the tiniest little shake causes it to explode. Um, so I always look at my own self. Um, I look at other people just as uh, living, walking, talking soda bottles. And we all need to kind of figure out how to allow ourselves to give that little twist of the cap and give that so that way yeah. we can relax and let some of that stress out. Another thing is really, um, aside from just setting realistic goals, finding time in those goals. Um, so I need to uh, sell more tickets to this show, setting a realistic timeline of how long you're going to be working on this, and then trying your best to plot in some time for yourself. You will hear this from me a billion times in terms of self-care. Uh, self-care does not always have to be an hour to two hours of sweating and stressing or in the gym and going hard and five minutes of sitting in a recliner and closing your eyes and practicing some deep breathing can um, can change a day. Uh, so whether that's uh, looking at your schedule of what your tour is coming up and saying, oh, when we get to Baltimore, I'm only going to have an hour. But that also includes parking and then getting in and checking into the hotel and getting over to the venue. So really, I have 20 minutes of free time. So let's plan something for 10 minutes that I know isn't also going to stress me out that I've lost 10 minutes. So whether that's while I'm going to the venue in the car, practicing a meditation, listening to something soothing on the radio rather than something that's going to escalate my uh, stress, or uh, you know, answering emails in the car ride over might not be the best way to mentally prepare yourself for uh, you know the biggest show of your life. Um, so really, it's a lot of proactive planning. And then recognizing the anxiety or the stress that you may be having in that moment um, with the understanding that trying to solve it right now probably isn't as effective as if you've planned to say, oh, if I'm starting to really have some racing thoughts before I go on stage, this is what I know I'm going to use rather than going, I'm about to walk on stage and I realize I'm stressed. What are three things that I think I could do? And then having to try option one and two, right. realizing that those failed. And now option More three proactive than reactive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so I always tell people like create a good and a bad um, toolbox. Um, so the good is uh, before I go on stage, I can take five minutes to do a muscle relaxation and deep breathing. And I know that that helps calm me down. Um, something I know I shouldn't do. So a bad toolbox is I shouldn't check emails. So that way, when I'm in the moment of what do I need to do right now? Not only am I being reminded of things that I know will work for myself, but also things I know I need to avoid. So maybe that's people I need to avoid, you know, right before I go <laughs> on stage, maybe not talk to my manager and hear about the hundred tickets that we still haven't sold. Um, right. <laughs> maybe it's not talking to honestly somebody at home because home stress can be really, really difficult, especially when you're not there. And the guilt of you not being there can be really, really strong. Um, so it's these little things that you start to recognize, um, and especially when you have something scheduled like a tour or you're working in a venue where you know that these certain shows are going to be coming, whether they're bigger or smaller, just recognizing proactively of like, oh, this weekend's going to be a rough one for me. So maybe the Thursday before I should spend an hour of my time trying to 
proactively avoid or practice some skills that I know I might need to use while I'm on the road. All right, let's talk a little bit about depression, you know, because stress and depression often go hand in hand. Let's talk about not so much for yourself, but what are some signs from a coworker? You see a coworker or you somebody that you're on the road with or somebody that you work at the venue with and and what are some signs that you should look out for and what are some ways that we can help them get pointed in the right direction without, you know, overstepping boundaries? Yeah, that's a great question. The number one thing I always say and I remind people is um, pointing out concerns or addressing or talking about concerns. So if I come to you and say, I'm noticing that it seems like you're feeling or that you're acting a little bit more depressed or I'm concerned about some of the behaviors, statistically and anecdotally is incredibly much more proven to be effective and it doesn't increase the likelihood that somebody hurts themselves or harms themselves or it does not push them into depression. Um, reaching out for support statistically shows to help people. Um, so the biggest thing, number one, is um, kind of the old airport mentality is if you see something, say something. I've always told people that I would rather uh, have you be angry at me or frustrated that I thought you were acting funny. Um, and you can just tell me like, no, I've just had trouble sleeping and I'm tired from last night. and That's OK. But I'd rather find out that you're tired and just, you know, drained rather than uh, depressed, having low self-esteem and thinking about maybe even hurting yourself. So that's just kind of the number one rule um, that I always tell anybody of just like, if you see something, it's okay to say something. And I encourage you to say something. Other things as you're, you know, especially when on tour, you are with some of these people, let's just say 20 hours a week uh, or a day. Uh, I'm giving you four hours that you are quote unquote sleeping. Um, but I also know that, that <laughs> those hours can be spent on a bus or whatever it is. So let's just argue 20 hours. During those 20 hours, um, even in the time that you and I will sit here and have this conversation, you will notice little things that I do. I, Every time I talk, I take a drink of water. Um, you ask a question, I answer it a certain way. Uh, you start to get general um, vibe as to who I am, what I do, my basic reactions. And then you're going to start to notice things that might be different. Um, so if you're on the road with somebody and they might act different, they might start to be reserved. Uh, they might start to be angry. Uh, they might start to have these irrational thoughts of like, we're failing. And you say, we just sold out Red Rocks. You know, we just played in front of 10,000 people and had a standing ovation. And they're saying, no, I st it doesn't feel right. I don't want to do this anymore. And there's this anger that can kind of come out that's almost irrational. Um, I say almost irrational because uh, in the performing uh, industry, there's always uh, this hypothetical area for improvement. There's always a better show to put on. There's something different to do. So I yeah. would welcome and encourage the idea of um, even in your best show of all time, finding something that maybe you want to do a little differently. Um, that's part of the creative mind. But if you and I are going on tour together and I start noticing, sure, you tend to have a drink at the end of the night to help you kind of wind down. But now I'm noticing you're having three or uh, you know, you've maybe smoked pot in the past and now you're starting to experiment with psychedelics. In our industry, there's not as um, cut and dry of people who do things versus don't do things. There's a lot of wiggle room. There's some gray area. And though when you're at your um, most heightened, it's encouraged to maybe not include any kind of mood altering substances, alcohol, drugs, anything like that. But I also am very willing to acknowledge that a lot of people in our industry do tend to rely on some of these things. So to being able to recognize when people have started to go over and above what they were doing to the point where it's starting to get concerning. And with that, it's also just you're starting to realize that people are missing things. They're not showing up on time. Um, that you're finding out that they 
went out last night in a city that they don't know by themselves and went and sat at a bar. Um, and you're thinking, hey, they could have done that at the hotel too. They never go out by themselves. And so they're just starting to show these inconsistencies in behaviors. And I can always list out a thousand things to pay attention to, but in the bigger picture of you know your people best and you know yourself best. And when something starts to feel weird, uh, the number one thing is to just recognize it, acknowledge it, and see if something is actually weird. Sometimes you just have a bad night and don't sleep and you're like, I'm I'm just tired and it's okay to have a bad day. Uh, but there's a difference between one bad day and three really, really awful ones. What do you think is something that people could practice if they're wanting to talk to people that are not in the industry? Maybe it's friends or family. I'm, one of the things we talked about is you know, you, you tell your friends what you do. And of course they have this idyllic picture and, oh my gosh, my friend is the, whatever the sound tech for coolest or something yeah. coolest job. Or even if, I mean, you know, you're working at a venue, oh my gosh, you get to see every home basketball game or you get to see. And so mm -hmm. I think they're always kind of pumping this into you, which is really exciting. And it does, I think, give you some perspective and remind you of the good things. But I think it also puts people in a position where they have to feel like they're grateful and can't show that vulnerability because, you know, people don't often understand maybe some of the uh, tougher sides of working in live events. Uh, do you have uh, any sort of tips on like how to do that? Like I, I speaking for myself personally, there's been a couple of times where I like just slightly crack the box open to someone where they're like, Oh, you get to uh, work all the basketball games. I'm like, yeah, but I also get in at like 8am and I don't mm -hmm. leave until 2am. Cause I have to wait to it. And I start kind of like just slightly venting. And then I see the joy melt off their face in front of me, like some sort of uh Raiders of the lost Ark situation. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, maybe I, maybe, I open the box too much, you know? So is there any tips you have on like talking with people that maybe aren't in live events and still letting them know maybe of some of the challenges you experience uh, that way they can, you know, be that support. They can hear you out without maybe understanding everything that's in it. Yeah, that's a great point. I relate that very much to the idea of like an imposter syndrome of how did I get to be here and shouldn't I be so thankful and appreciative that I am in this industry that I wanted to be in, but yet I don't want to suck the fun out of it for my friends and family who worship some of these right. things. Um, and right. so it's hard. Um, as a, I'm a licensed therapist, um, I find a similar type um, conversation where uh, if I tell people that I am a therapist, um, uh, people tend to very quickly assume that I'm either, uh, as they say, therapizing them analyzing them, uh, or have decided that because I've mentioned I work in mental health, that now they're going to tell me all of their problems. Um, right. And I had to develop a really good speech of like, I'm not at work right now, and you're not my client. And though I can happily have a conversation with you as a friend, um, this is not the time where I can offer professional help. Um, in this industry, it's a little bit more different because again, you are like, not all of my friends have this very uh, excited view about therapy. Um, most of my right. friends have this very excited view about live events, especially music. So the number one thing um, is that what I learned to do is, A, surround yourself with people who understand. And that doesn't necessarily need to be somebody who's been in the venue industry or the live um, event industry. It could just be a friend who maybe works in a completely different industry and you're comfortable talking to. Some of this is 
finding other like-minded people who understand your perspective, but also are willing to allow you to understand. So when I worked security in venues, um, sure, it was very exciting to be able to get to meet certain musicians and celebrities that I got to meet over the years. And now looking back, it was it was an interesting price to pay to be up for, you know, at work for <laughs> eight, 18 hours in the pouring rain right. sometimes uh, to be able to say, cool, I met this person for a handshake this afternoon. Um, and (laughs) so true. I just remind people, uh, your friends are going to come to you and talk to you about difficulties they've had at work. Um, their boss is tough and they have these weird deadlines about sales or reports that need to be made. You just work in another industry. Um, you shouldn't discredit the work that you're doing or the difficulties that you're having. Every industry has difficulties. So being able to say to a friend, like, I hope this doesn't ruin it, but like, man, it really sucked being outside at Red Rocks this this summer because I had to do A, B, and C, or it was pouring down rain the entire time. And like the stairs are really slippery when it gets wet. And now I had to help somebody. Like these are conversations that other people are going to have about their industry. So number one thing is getting, removing yourself from that guilt of thinking that you're going to ruin something for somebody else. It's not your intention. Um, it's not your fault. Um, unless you were coming to them and saying, hey, I met this musician and they were the worst person ever. You love them so much. And everything they ever swore by, they are totally against in the green room and they yell and scream. And okay, you know, that's a conversation to have about somebody who deserves to be told that they weren't doing great. But, you know, there are venues that I have friends who think are world renowned that I've just had frustrating experiences with professionally um, that I still love. But, you know, it, it shouldn't change their opinion on my experience from what I had. So, anybody who's in the industry please find some people who are like-minded if you are having trouble with that there are support groups Uh, there are online groups whether it's a facebook group a zoom group Uh, with backline we have support groups that are free online with zoom i know music cares also has some support groups for different um for different things that are going on um and then especially finding that friend at home uh one person whether it's a significant other it's somebody uh that you trust at home who is on tour not on tour never heard of the touring music industry or the live event industry in their in their experience and have worked in a cubicle for their entire lives doing accounting or somebody who has been on the road and has you know a decade of experience uh, just somebody that you know you can trust because one person is going to be a lot more effective than just holding it all um, and then also just with that remembering that there are certain things that you know that you can hold on to um, i'm feeling stressed about blank uh, hopefully i can talk to my friend about it tomorrow journal Write it down. Take some notes. Uh, your phone has a voice recorder. Uh, use it as your sounding board. Uh, there are some really great tools about just expressing yourself to an open an open text that will allow you to go back and look at it. And I've always found it's very helpful that when you're feeling really activated or heated or whatever it might be in this moment, if you don't have anybody to talk to, write it down, talk into your, your text to speech uh, or your speech to text, your voice recorder. And then table it for an hour. Come back and listen to it. Come back and look at it. See how you were feeling. And usually what you start to do is um, you've been having an argument with yourself. So now you're going to get to see kind of both sides. and You're going to have to get to see both sides of that argument. And then you can kind of pick and choose of like, oh, I was just overwhelmed in this moment. Or, huh, this is a really valid concern of like, we always get to shows way too late. Maybe we need to start talking about leaving an extra hour earlier just to get on time. So that way I can take 10 minutes to stand outside and just enjoy the sunlight for a little bit. Those are the things that are really, really helpful that are just very simplistic that you can usually do 
on your own or with one or two other people. Ari, uh, you, you know, obviously you talked about some of the great resources that are out there. And I, I know that Backline offers a lot, uh, again, whether it's, you know, some of the free wellness content or subscriptions to the support groups or even the the one-on-ones with the uh, the case managers. If somebody wants to know more about Backline or and how maybe they can uh, help find the help that they or a coworker needs, uh, what's the best place for them to go? www.backline.care, C-A-R-E. On that website, you will find all of our resources, which will include how to get in touch with one of our case managers. Uh, now, our case managers are going to focus on whatever it is that you are looking for. So you might have a wonderful therapist that you've never had the chance to meditate before, or your therapist uh, won't work across state lines. And now when you're on the road, you really would like to have a life coach that you can communicate with just to be able to get some extra support. Or what our case managers will do with anybody who comes through is take the time, sit and say, what is it that you're looking for? Is there a a certain type of person you're looking for, whether that's age, gender, experience, specialty. And we do our absolute best to pair you with somebody who is actively accepting new clients and also um, fit uh, your need. With that, we also have subscription services. So maybe you just need a good subscription for Breathwork, the Sona app. Um, These are things that we have either at a discounted or a free rate. Our support groups are free weekly online, um, and you can find all that information on the website too. And then we also just released what we call our touring notebook, uh, which is a digital resource guide for people before, during, and after being on tour or even just preparing for big events. Uh, This is going to give you some very tangible worksheets, resources, breathing exercises, um, how to have conversations before you go on the road, uh, how to return from a tour and how to reintegrate and be able to say, I just got off stages of 20,000 people cheering my name, and I need a day to get back to the point that my daughter won't even acknowledge my presence. Um, just some of these little things that we spent uh, we spent about a year uh, compiling this and figuring out all the avenues that we wanted to really tackle. Um, and that resource is free on our website, and we encourage you to share it with anybody and everybody. It is free for everybody to use. That's, that's so wonderful. Love the work you guys are doing there and appreciate the time from you and and all your team this week. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. And a big thanks to everybody for listening to this special Detour episode of Adventures in Venue Land. Remember, you can subscribe and find more episodes, including the first two parts of our mental health series, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We love your five-star reviews so you can help others find us. Until the next adventure, I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. Thanks for listening, everyone. Adventures in Venueland is a side project of the Event and Venue Marketing Conference, a marketing conference that brings together diversified event and venue professionals to cultivate education, collaboration, and innovation for the growing sports and live entertainment industry. Find out more at eventvenuemarketing.com. Audio editing and mixing by Camille Faulkner. Design and digital advertising by Megan Ebeck. Copywriting and publicity by Samantha Marker. Guest booking and brand strategies by Paul Hooper. Guest research by Dave Rettelberger. Marketing strategies by Paul Hooper, Megan Ebeck, and Samantha Marker. Thanks for joining us. Until the next adventure.